I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Amen, amen. The Lord our God is amazing. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the King of all kings, the Prince of Peace. He can do all things, right? Well, close. And I'm here to tell you about three things that God can't do. Our God is almighty and all-powerful. He can rise men from the grave and cure sickness with a word. But one thing he can't do is lie. For it says in Numbers 23:19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he son of man that he should repent. He has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? This not only says that the Lord will not lie, but he will also never mislead you. The scripture also states, he has said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? This section states that if the Lord told you something, if he spoke to you, and you heard from him, and he says that he will do something, then he will do that. For if he didn't, then it would be a lie. Now, this is where I get confused with people sometimes. They, they ask for something from God. God speaks back to them and says that he will do that. Why are they still doubtful? God's not going to trick you. He's not going to try to pull the wool over your eyes. He's not going to lie to you. So why do you still not trust him when he tells you? If scripture, his own words say that he will not lie, then I can assure you he won't. Right. For my next point, God, in addition to not being able to lie, God cannot remember sins he has chosen to forget. For Isaiah 43:25 states, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. This scripture, put in the simplest terms I can, means that if, the, if Jesus, the king of all kings, the king of mankind, the one who is purest in all ways, forgives you, then you need to learn to forgive yourself. The Lord, the only one who may cast the first stone, if he lays it at your feet, then why do you pick it up and hit yourself in the head with it? He chose to forgive you. He has forgotten about... He has forgotten. But every time you think about it again and again, all you're doing is reminding God of a sin that he truly wants to forget. The only thing you're doing by reminding yourself about a sin that you repented for is opening a little door for the devil to slip in and deceive you. He'll say things like, Oh, you sin against the Lord. You're God. He doesn't love you anymore. Why should he care about you? You don't deserve his love. But if you leave that sin at the altar the first time, and if you don't go back and pick it up again and again and again, then you slam the door in the devil's face. He'll try to come in and say things like, Hey, remember that sin you made two months ago? Yeah, you remember how you felt? You can stop him right there and say, Oh, no, Lord. Oh, no, God. I laid that down on the altar last month and I refuse to pick it up again because if Jesus forgot about it then I will too and if you do that instead of giving in to Satan's lies then you'll send him scurrying off to whatever little hole he came from now for the last thing that God can't do is our Lord can't stop being God your Lord my Savior our Messiah can't quit his job he can't stop the endless flow of unconditional love from him to us at any time. He, in a world full of variables, is the only true constant. 
He can't one day be less holier than the last. During good and bad times, God is God. There is no difference between God now and God a thousand years ago. If God's attitude towards us doesn't change in good times and bad, then why should ours change about him in the same? The Lord has loved us all equally for all time. So why shouldn't we do the same for him? God doesn't change, folks. This includes his holiness, his justice, his love, his mercy, his truth. They don't change with common trans people. So why is it that when the going gets tough, that we don't love God just as much, if not more, than if we're sitting high on the hog? Well, I've had a bad week. Then end it now. Here is when you start the new week. This is when you say goodbye to the old. Love God by saying, Lord, I know the past couple of days haven't been so good, but now I'm going to forget about all that. I'm going to leave it, all my problems in your hands and focus on you because, Lord, I know that you'll take care of them. Oh, come on, church. Let's stand to our feet and give that to God for a minute. Oh, you're worthy, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for throwing my sins in the sea of forgetfulness, God, never to be remembered again. I praise your holy name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'll tell you what, God is good. Do you know when you, walk, when you drive into the parking lot at 9.30 in the morning and it's almost full, you know you've been having church. You know, you've been having revival. I am uh, so honored to be up here. I want to, uh, just for some of you that may have not joined us this weekend, we had an Exodus Youth Conference. We're continuing on today. Just to give you just a few things, you can be seated for a minute. Just to give you a few things of what's been going on. Uh, we've, had, we've had multiple notable miracles that have happened. Um, uh, and we had Jeremiah, where's Jeremiah? He got the Holy Ghost and baptized last night in Jesus' name. There ain't nothing better <laughs> seeing somebody receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I, I mean, that's just new life right there. And uh, we have a, um, it's my ex-brother-in-law. He's, he, he's up in um, critical condition up in the ICU at Methodist Hospital. And uh, went up, prayed for him on Monday night. Malachi joined me, my little four-year-old boy. He, he said, you know, God can do anything. And I said, well, you know, that's right, buddy. And and we went up there and we prayed and he was um, he was in a coma, he he had, he was on full life support. And last night, uh, right before service, I got a a message um, from uh, from one of the people that are up there with with me, and they told me that he is now his he also had full kidney and liver failure. By the way, he he was dying. The doctor said we can't do anything for him at all. There's nothing we can do but keep him on life support. His kidneys started functioning. His liver's starting to function again. His breathe's beginning to breathe on his own again, and he opened his eyes and began to look around the room in just a matter of a few days. This is a person they were preparing for death. I mean, and their whole family's been up there. They've been going trials, but God can absolutely do anything. Amen? There was also, just to build your faith a little more, a young man named Jacob here last night that Sebastian brought. Am I right, Jacob? All right. Let's make sure I got his name right. He, um, he had 
his aorta had been dilated to five and a half centimeters, and he was having pain um, in his his body. He couldn't breathe very well. He was it was uh, the pressure on just breathing was very difficult, very closed. And um, what'd you say? His heart. He was having issues w- uh, with his heart too because of that dilation so much. And uh, his entire left side of his body was going numb. And he came up. We we were praying, multiple people praying for him um, uh, last night. And when he left, he told Sebastian, I can breathe without any pain. (laughs) God ain't going to do miracles until people need miracles. And we've needed them this weekend. We have a, a few other needs this morning, uh, Sister um, Jessica um, Tuttle is in the hospital. She's been having a little bit of issues. Is she home? Okay, she got home, but let she she's not here, and she's she's been under a little bit of attack this last couple of days. Um, don't need to go into details or anything, but we need to pray for her this morning, and also, what's her name? I wanted to have special prayer for uh, uh, Sharon and Patsy's niece. Uh, is there anything else that you've heard, Sharon? Okay. Well, she's. I was listening to your diagnosis, kidney failure. Everything was shutting down. This is happening to her. She's 32 years old. And uh, if God could do this for his ex-brother-in-law, God can do this for her. And, and we, need to ha- we need to stand and have special prayer for these. Anything else? No, just to let you know, the guy that ju- that is being healed right now and continuing healing, uh, he's thirty. He's thirty-three. So, so God can absolutely do this, and and I want us to go boldly before the throne room. And let's pray for Tom too. God can God can absolutely heal his kidneys. One hundred. He can just give them brand new. Well, I believe. That God is not done. I believe we had a prophecy the other night, just for some of you that weren't here, there was a prophecy said that the very thing that we've been looking for, the ceiling or the plateau that we've been trying to hit, to make it to, that God's not going to take us there, that He's already doing it. We're there. So the thing that we've been looking for, we've been seeking after God's complete will to happen in our lives in this congregation, in this church, and we have arrived. He said the ceiling will become our floor. We're going to be standing on the promises of God, not just seeking them. In the name of Jesus. I feel... I I felt... So overwhelmed this week before this conference. So many things were happening. I felt so overwhelmed, but I believe that God had a reason. I spent so much time in prayer um, over this last week, and I just begging God for miracles, begging Him to say, God, uh, it's out of our control. You know, everyone in here, we all want to see these miracles take place. We want to see healing. But it's not with, it's, it's God that has to do it. We can pray. But it's God that has to do it. And, and I believe that He's began that. He's, he is, he is, he's going to do it and He's going to keep on doing that. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. I'm going to get, I'm going to get going here.
I just real short, I want to thank everybody that's helped over this weekend. Sister Searing, uh, Sister Tyner, uh, Sister Jessica, um, GP did a, a fabulous job. Thank you, young people, for being dedicated. We've had had so many words uh, from God to our young people, and I feel like feel like God has made a true change in the the very core and the essence of who we are. And I'm excited for that. And uh, I thank my wife. She is such an amazing woman of God and, and, and my backbone. And I couldn't have made it through this week without her. I'll tell you that right now. She's been there to support, support me and help me and encourage me and make sure I was not losing my mind. I thought I was doing that a few times and, and uh, thought I was going crazy. She's going to have to put me in one of those straight jackets, put me in a padded room, you know. But she... Uh, She's there for me, and and she she keeps on uh, she keeps on just helping. She's just so good. I I love my wife. How many of you guys love my wife? Better not love her as much as I love her, but you know, love my wife. She's such a wonderful woman. This morning, I want to speak to you on on the title and a subject. There's a God for that. There's a God for that. Um. Apple. How many of you guys know Apple? How many of you have iPhones? iPads? I anything? iPods? MacBooks? Apple has created over one million apps for the App Store currently. The phrase, there is an app for that, is very true. There are now social apps like Twitter, Facebook, and MySpace. There are educational apps such as iTunes University or the History Channel. There are medical apps that you can actually get cardiograms on. Uh, Doctors are using the iPhones to do cardiograms to to look at the rhythm of your heart. Uh, They're looking at brain waves on the iPhones now. There's apps that will make your iPhone into a stethoscope where you can listen to your own heartbeat using earbuds. Um, There are games... That, that the App Store has that are addictive, such as Where's My Water or Angry Birds. And, and one of my favorite uh, apps, I'm going to open it up for you here. They have this awesome app. It, it's called <laughs> the Wahoo Button. That's all it does. <laughs> That's it. And people get it. And they do this. That's what you do with it. Apple has over one million apps that take your time so you can go, yeah. You know, just in case your voice wasn't good enough. You know? It's almost as if, uh, you know, they created this app just just for apostolics. Everybody get their Wahoo button out on, on Sunday night and hold their phone up and Wahoo it. <laughs> they, they have an app out on, the, on, the, on the, the iTunes store that's called Toilet Paper Dragging. Toilet Paper Dragging, where the entire object... Of the, of the app is to unroll toilet paper on your phone. 
and we download it, and we do this. You know? And so, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the whole point. Push a button, let it go wahoo, or un- unwrap the toilet paper, sis. Thank God they have it for the iPhone, because if my kids are in my bathroom, we're going to have a little talk. Toilet paper, $6 or something for 12 rows. I ain't having you do that in my bathroom. So there are apps that categorize your music. They'll put, they'll put entire libraries on your phone, and you can put, in, you can put my worship music in here, and you can put my, uh, my praise music in here, you put my prayer music in here, and hopefully you don't have a place for your worldly music in there. But if, you, but, but if you want it, it's there. I hope you don't want it. And th- there's apps that'll, that'll let you post pics of whatever interest, and you can post these pics on certain boards, and other people can just repin them. Just, just repin. That's all you do. You look at a picture and go, oh, that's so cool. I'm going to repin that. I'm going to repin. I'm repinning it. I'm, I'm repinning it, though. It's so cool. It's so neat. I'm repinning. Repinning. Need to have a repent app. I'm going to repent it. <laughs> hey, look at that. I need to repent of that too. Let's push that button. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did that last week too. Let's repent of that. You know, and so, so Apple, ha- they've coined the phrase, um, they've coined this phrase, uh, <laughs> excuse me, they, they've coined phrases such as, if you run out of toilet paper, there's an app for that. Or if you want to try wireless bungee jumping, there's an app for that. Or maybe if you're wondering if your coworkers are indeed idiots, there's an app for that. <laughs> if you want to know how many licks it takes to get to, get to the center of a Tootsie Pop, there's an app for that. Um, one of my favorite <laughs> is if you're Chuck Norris, you probably don't even need it, but there's an app for that. And so what Apple has done, what Apple has done is created a place that's a one-stop shop for all your needs in everyday life. Regardless of what the need is, you can find an app to help you. Need directions? They can give them to you. Need the closest coffee shop? Just ask Siri. She will show you the way. But... I believe as great as it is to be able to do our taxes on our iPad or learn how to tie a bow tie, that there is one app that outdoes them all. Brother brother Zach, it's called the God app. And with this God app, it will take care of all your needs. With just one push of this button or one mention of his name, your crisis can be averted. Your family can be saved. Your finances can be blessed. Your home can be protected. Your job can be made enjoyable. Your raise can be bigger. And your health can be made perfect. If we could coin this app and we could get it in the iTunes store, I guarantee you in the first day there would be over a million hits. Because what people are looking for 
in these apps is, a, is some kind of a temporary fix. And they get on, and how many of you know it? I, I mean, I've got 200 and something apps on my iPhone, Pastor. And do you know how many I use? Four. Because there was a moment in time where somebody showed me a really neat app, and I had to get it. And I used it for a matter of hours. Until I got to the place where it just wasn't fun anymore and I didn't need to open that app. I had unrolled 67 different rolls of toilet paper in record time. I had pushed the Wahoo button until it had opened the, the individual, uh, uh, unlo- all the locked items that are in there. You have to push it about 250 times and it will unlock the game. And I just sat there. And so they have all these apps, but what they provide is a temporary entertainment. And, and the, the thing about it is, is that God, what He provides is a permanent solution. And so we can choose to be temporarily entertained or permanently changed depending on the choices in our own life. <laughs> Glad somebody's awake this morning. And so, those apps, as good as they are and as fun and as amusing, I've got an app on my phone that will blow you up. I've got an app that I can take a video of you and put bombs bombing your head. I've blown my children up. I've blown a toilet up. I've blown my desk at work up. You know? And they have these cool, they're cool. But the problem with them is, is they will not fix the issue. When you're done with the app, when you're done with the entertainment, you've still got the same problems. You're still facing the same life. Your job isn't any different. Your situation hasn't changed. You've just been temporarily entertained. You forgot about it for a moment. And so we don't even have to be drug addicts. We don't have to be alcoholics in today's society. All we have to be is app addicts. Because it does the same thing. It makes you forget about what's going on in life. Now, these apps are good because they can tell you, in some instances, they can tell you how to fix your house. I, I, I can go on and learn how to remodel my bathroom on, on my iPhone. That's pretty neat. You know, they can tell you how to do it. They can tell you how to polish your resume so you can get a better job. But they cannot, nor will ever, be able to compare to the God app. Because the God app goes beyond telling you how, it actually makes a way where there is no way. It doesn't just provide counseling for your emotional issues, it heals your emotional issues. Pain, hurt, wounds have to leave your heart when you open the God app. When you, when you touch it with the very mention of the name of Jesus, every single demon that's attacking you has to leave. Get out of here. And 
you may ask, what is so special about the God app? And I just have one phrase to tell you, because there's a God for that. See, if you need to go to heaven, there's a God for that. If you need to be baptized, there's a God for that. If you need the Holy Ghost, there's a God for that. If you need healing in your life, there is a God for that. If you need to be free from addiction, there's a God for that. If you need complete deliverance, there is a God for that. If every burden in your life needs to be unloaded and you feel like you can't carry any more, there is a God for that. And guess what? He isn't going anywhere. You don't have to pay for an upgrade because the price has already been bought on Calvary. He already took care of it. He said this isn't just an app. This is a free application to your life. There's a God for that. Come on. You, some of us in here have lost ones and we want to see them in church. There is a God for that. I'm telling you, some of us get so overwhelmed and we we go after every situation we we try every uh, brother floyd i, I do I, I i'm guilty of this i come to you and i say man here's what's going on oh and i just unload and he probably feels 10 times way you know way down more after i get done talking to him you know and we do that but what what if we just decided to open that God app and begin to apply the principles of the Bible to our life and say, God, I'm thankful for this situation and I need your help. I can't do it on my own and I need you to take care of it. At what point in our life can we just say, you know what? I, I, I'm done playing all these games. I'm done being in the same situations, Brother Tony. I, I don't feel like I can just keep going on and on and just say, you know what? I'm just going to begin. I'm not going to tell everybody my issues or my problems. I'm going to go to the throne room. I'm going to stand before the, the king, and I'm going to make my petition known, and I'm going to let faith do what faith does, and all of a sudden, a day or two or three or a week or a month later, my problem or my issue is is resolved and as soon as it's resolved you won't even remember you had it anyway isn't that how we are brother manley i mean come on it's one thing to the next well as soon as i get through this issue i have another issue to worry about but but if we continue to apply this principle it's called the god app just just push the button it'll put you on your knees it, it'll prepare you for war just push the button. It'll give you the instructions how. Guy in the name, or guy in the Bible named Joseph. How many know Joseph? Joseph is one of my favorite biblical figures. He is, in my opinion, a cornerstone of integrity. He is, he is when you look at his life, you look and go, How? How is that possible? Believe it or not, though, Joseph was 17 years old when his life was radically changed. He was a teenager. 17 years old. Could you imagine? I, I want your imagination. I want you to be vivid in your imagination with me. Put yourself in his place. 
You are the favorite among your family, among your father. You are loved. You, you, you don't know what it's like to have nothing. You don't know what it's like to be in a rough situation because daddy is always taking care of you. I mean, you, you are just, you got it. A-okay, Izzy's saying amen. Daddy's taking care of me. She's, she knows, you know, you ain't ever had to do anything on your own. You know, every time you need money, let me just get there for a minute, you know. The point is, Joseph didn't, he, he was, he was a, a child of privilege, so to speak. He had everything that you could want as a teenager. That dude was sporting the Xbox 360 with the Kinect, the PlayStation 3, and the new Wii U. He had, he had it all. It didn't matter what game it was. It didn't matter what the newest technology had. He had the new iPad. And he had all the other versions. That, that guy, you know, he was set. He was privileged. But there was one day that he felt like that. And he woke up the next day being in a situation where you would never again see your father or your family. In his mind, he would never again see them. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. Go to verses 3 through 4. Genesis chapter 37. Verses 3 through 4. We're we're going to read a couple of them. I'm just going to tell you as we go. That's going to be our starting point. Genesis chapter 37 verses 3 through 4. And it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Go to 14. And he said to him, this is Israel saying to Joseph, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem, and, a, and go to 18 through 20, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto him, they conspired against him to slay him. Could you imagine being in a family where your brothers hated you so much they literally wanted you dead, and you having no idea about it? Just think about it. Verse 19, they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. You know, people are going to criticize you for your gifts. People are going to criticize you for your calling. People are going to criticize you when you pray for somebody and they get healed. People are going to criticize you for stepping out and worshiping. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And go to verse 23, and we'll go read through 28. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, and they stripped Joseph out of his coat, that his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. And they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead. 
with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Check this out. What a solution. Let's not kill him. Come and let us sell him. Let's not kill him. Let's just sell him. That's so much better. I'm just so happy that they didn't kill him and they sold him. You know, that's nice. You can imagine Ethan selling off Tyler. I won't kill him. I'll just sell him. Who's the highest bidder? (laughs) You know... So so come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother. Oh, we, we, we just love him so much. He's our brother. Let's not kill him. Let, we'll just sell him. That's so brotherly. I, you know, for all of you people out there that are my brothers and sisters, please, if you want to treat me like that, don't, ever, don't think about it. Just leave me alone. I don't, even, I don't even need it, okay? I'm okay. Don't sell me off. I don't want to go anywhere, all right? So it says, For he is our brother in our flesh, and his, bre- and, and his brethren were content. So verse 28, and it says, Then there passed by uh, Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph. I bet he thought, oh, finally, my brothers came to their senses. They're probably thinking, this is just silly. They're, you know, they were playing a joke on me. And he gets out of that pit and, they, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph in to Egypt. Now, imagine this impossible situation that he is in, going from a wealth and favor to a slave in Egypt. Having your brothers betray you would be enough to hurt and devastate most people. If one of our brothers or our sisters betrayed us in this reality that he had to face in in, in today's society, it would call for massive doses of therapy and medication to keep one going. And maybe in a few years they would be able to move on from the situation, uh, from, such, you know, from that kind of treatment. Just maybe. But normally 10 to 15 years later we're still saying, I just had such an emotional trauma happen to me. It was just so horrible. You know, my... My brother lied on me. He said he hated me. It's horrible. You know, we make such big deals out of these situations. I, I, I couldn't imagine one of us having to be in Joseph's shoes this morning. Going from such a place of wealth to such a place to, to enslavement to not be in your own property, to happen to do whatever you're told. Shoot, I don't think some of our young people could, just, could do that. I don't think some of our young people could listen to what they're told to do. They'd probably be beaten and flogged. Do I get some parents saying amen anywhere? So, but Joseph, you know, in this situation was a little different. He didn't look to the world to solve his problems. He didn't run to the leading technology of the day to make him feel better. He had one simple thing that he did and he continued to do. He coined the phrase, there's a God for that. I, 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 am, I am almost positive uh, with all assurity that Joseph was the one who came up with, you know what, this is a horrible situation, but there's a God for that. 
He knew regardless of the situation, God was greater. I, I bet he got out his eye tablet and pushed his God app button. And the results were incredible. Uh, go to Genesis 39, 1 through 4. Because I could just imagine him doing that. 39, 1 through 4. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard. I've not, I've not, don't even, I've not been drinking this morning, I promise. Nothing but coffee. <laughs> and an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which, was, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hands. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hands. Joseph used the God principle, the God app. He pushed the button and made a horrible situation not so horrible. He decided that he was going to be okay, that God was good enough to take care of him. Well, I'm glad somebody said amen. And the people around Joseph could tell that the Lord was with him because most people in the same situation wouldn't have been able to handle it. Most people would have had a breakdown. Think about it. One, one day you wake up and God has given you dreams, and the next day you're sold into slavery never to see your family again. He didn't know one day his brothers would come to Egypt. He didn't know that there would be a return of his family. He didn't know that. He was living his life simply in slavery with the only thing that he could, could grab onto was God. Excuse me. And so, you would, in this situation, he, he allowed God to let him grow. And he kept his relationship with God on the up and up. He didn't blame God for it. He knew that any investment he made with God would be worthwhile. Could you imagine building to this point? Now think about this. You're, you're building, you're in a horrible situation. You build it up to a, to a crescendo, and then all of a sudden, you feel like you fit in after years of servanthood, and your master, he's put everything into your hands. He trusts you to run his entire business and enti his entire house. You've you got to feel good about yourself at that point in your life, Right? And then one day, you're accused of doing something that you didn't do. And everything feels like it's beginning to tumble back in. Just imagine that. That the accusation alone ruins your relationship with your master. And he takes everything away from you, and now you end up in jail. Joseph went from a place of wealth and, and honor to a place of slavery, he built back up again. And then to, to just be taken back down again. What a strong man to be able to handle that situation. I couldn't imagine the feelings of hurt and pain that would be going on. I could imagine him saying, God, I don't understand. First, I'm taken from my family. Then I'm thrown into jail. And, and I've yet to do anything wrong. 
if this was you, I guarantee some of us would be complaining to everybody that we could get, that would listen. Your life would be utterly shattered. There would be no point in living, and your relationship with God would be in shambles if this was you in that situation. But this morning, can I tell you that there is a God for that? Because, you know, I'm laying baseline, but I want you to understand the principle that Joseph had here. Is that regardless of where I'm at in my life, there's a God for that. Regardless of where I'm at, there's a God for that. And some of us are going to leave and go back to reality on Monday morning tomorrow... And we're going to be looking at, at work, and we're going to be looking at school, and we're going to be looking at our jobs, and, and we're going to forget that there's a God that just helped us this weekend. So you may not be running and shouting and screaming this morning, but I pray you drink four or five cups of coffee before you come to church tonight. <laughs> because there is a God that wants to move. There is a God that just because it's Sunday morning, He wants to put a truth in your heart. When you look at this situation, God knew what He was doing in Joseph's life. He was positioning Joseph in the right place for the right time. Because there would be a day years down the road where he would be needed. And God did not want Joseph to be comfortable in his condition. When you get comfortable where you are in your Christian life, you will not be effective. You will not see any fruit of your labor. You will become stagnant. And eventually, if you stay in that position, you will fall away. It is just what happens. The truth is we are designed for a specific purpose. Each of us wants to see our purpose fulfilled in our life. Um, Rick Warren authored a book in 2002. He said that every Christian has or that every Christian has heard of the purpose-driven life. This book sold over 30 million copies, and it is now in its tenth edition. Why? Because people are looking to fulfill a purpose in their life, to be needed and useful. And Joseph had to go through years of pain in order to fulfill his purpose. But he realized that there was a God for that. He realized that God was going to do something in his life and that he had to keep going regardless of the situation. No matter how bad it looked, no matter what he did, no matter where it was, everybody turned his back. There's not one of us in here that can say we were in that rough of a situation. But he said, I've got a purpose and I've got a God. I've got a purpose, and I've got a God. And I wish somebody this morning would get it in their spirit, would get it in their heart, that I've got a purpose in life, and there's nothing in the world that will drag me away from that purpose, because my God is greater. Come on, can we clap our hands to Jesus for a minute? Come on, some of us, we want to see the miraculous. You will never see the miraculous until you have been through some tough situations. If you are completely comfortable in your situation now, you will not see the miraculous in your own life. You will not lay your hands on someone and see them healed when you are not 
when you have not been down in some painful and hurtful situations. And the reason why is because God wants you to depend on Him completely. There is a point in our life where we have to completely trust, completely depend on Him. Know that He can do it all. And until you get down to the bottom... Until you, you're down to the lowest point and you've exhausted all your other options. Now, if you were smart, you would just go ahead and trust Him right now. If, you, if, if we were intelligent, we would just say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead right now and I'm just going to say, God, every situation that comes my way, I'm going to trust you. But the problem is, we're a bunch of knuckleheads, and we have to go through the situation. I can't learn from Brother Davis because, well, his situation was so different from mine. Can I tell you, if we went and got under some elders' wings and said, Help me to learn. Help me not to make the same mistakes. Keep me out of dangerous situations that you would progress further in your ministry and in your walk with God. Some of us just get too prideful. We want to do it on our own. But I'm telling you, the kingdom of God isn't an on-your-own type of thing. The kingdom of God is the body of Christ. It takes an entire body to work together. Just imagine if you didn't have use of one hand or one leg or one foot or one ear. It makes it difficult to perform day-to-day tasks. Well, in the same way, the body of Christ has to be fully functional. It takes all of us. And if you got the arm punching the face, guess what? The face can't do its job. So stop talking about everybody. (laughs) You know, I don't care. I I, want to tell this church something. I don't care what they do wrong. I don't care what sin they get into. I don't care how far they fall. This guy right here loves this youth group. And I promise you this. I'll go with them down to the farthest place that they go. I'll be there for them and I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to tell them, oh, you, you lousy. Come here. Come here. You, you lousy punk, you're going to hell because you can't live for God, right? I ain't going to do that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, buddy, I believe in you that you can come back from this. I know that you can do it. You can be better than you were last week. You don't have to worry about it. And for any other person that looks at these young people and says, well, I can't believe they're dressing like that, or I can't believe they're doing this or they're doing that, well, you know what? Shame on you because you've done the same things. Until you in your life are perfect and your name is Jesus Christ, get your eyes off other people and you just start supporting them. I'm going to tell you something. This guy right here, Brother Tony, makes me feel like a million dollars every time I talk to him. He, he, guys, I, I'm probably the furthest from perfect. She'll tell you. I'm the furthest from perfect there is. There, I, I promise you. Brother Davis, you're so much better off than me. Sister Mono, agree. She'll tell you, I, I, I'm not perfect. But I'll tell you what, every time I talk to this guy, 
He makes me feel better about myself. Now that's a child of God. And you know what he also doesn't do? He doesn't build himself up. Thank you for letting me use you. That's it. You're my brother, pastor. You're my pastor brother. My brother from another mother. But do you know, guys, when he hurts, I ought to hurt. When he's going through tough times, I ought not look at him and say, you know what? That you, you, you're just, you just need to get over it. You know, I ought to look at him and say, what can I do? How can I pray? How can I help you? How can I be your brother? How can I support you? And if you're in one of those situations, shame on you for pushing the church away. I'm going to tell you something. We have got to come to the place where we run to God in our time of need. Every time of need, we need to run to God. It doesn't matter if we're sick, we've been hurt, there is someone passing away in our family. We have to learn to run to the Master. We have to run to the God button. We have to push that application in our life. We have to use it. We we, We do this so much, we just push things away. We push them to the side. We try not to deal with them and then they just blow up in our face and we make a big mess. Oh. I, I have one question for the church this morning. What has the world ever done to earn your trust? What has the world ever done to earn your trust? When you're going through something horrible, why would you ever turn to something worldly. Why would you listen to worldly music or go run to your worldly friends or, or go to worldly drugs or, or get involved in worldly alcohol? Why would you get involved in the world? Why would you throw yourselves into video games and movies and entertainment? What has the world ever done for you to earn your trust? I'm so, I can't get off this. This church, the ministry in this church, has bent over backwards for this church. To earn your trust. And some of you still don't trust them. I, I don't know why I feel this way. I, I'm telling you, when you have people trying to help you in your situation trying to earn your trust to show you that they are for you and not against you, why would you push them away? Why would you go into your home and run them down in front of your children? I just don't get it. We're the body of Christ. We need to be together. We need to be one. Jesus. I I want to introduce one more character, and I'm almost done. I want to introduce one more character this morning. You look at Joseph, and you look at his life, and you look at how it was, and it it was impressive. He's, He's, I mean, he's better than David. I mean, David was a God after man's own 
uh, arm, heart. I need another cup of coffee, guys. He w- David. David was a. David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible said he was. I mean, he's he's David's one of my favorites. But Joseph was better. Why? Because he never, ever lost his integrity. <laughs> I just wish. I, I don't know. That guy had a good father or something. You've got to think about that. You've got to think about the parenting skills of, of Jacob. You've got to think about that. I mean, that guy had to have put something so deep inside of his child that there was like, I'm not sinning. I'm not running away. Parents, I can't overstate your job in your family. I mean, the church is here for a reason. We are the body. But I tell you what, your children, that's your church. That's your church. And you better preach to them. And you better pray for them. And you better go on fast together. And and grandmas and grandpas, you ought to instill in your grandchildren... The principles of God, you ought, to, you, ought to make, you ought to put wisdom in their hearts. Don't ever give up on your family. That's your church. You to look, though, at another guy. His name was Samson. And you, you, you look at this guy, and he, he was one of those guys that grew up in the church. He, was, uh, he, he had to live by a certain standard his entire life. So horrible, isn't it? Standards. Just, why do we have to have standards? They're just horrible, aren't they? Can't we just do what we want, love God, and go to heaven? You know, Samson couldn't cut his hair. He couldn't drink wine or strong drink. Everybody else could. He couldn't touch anything dead. He couldn't eat anything unclean. The guy couldn't have bacon, people. Bacon. He couldn't have bacon. I'm telling you, I'd go to hell right now. You take away coffee and bacon, there's not much left in life. If you had coffee-flavored bacon, or bacon-flavored coffee, put that either way. That's just good stuff. But this guy couldn't even eat. He couldn't. He couldn't eat bacon. He couldn't have a pork chop. He couldn't have a tenderloin, Brother Tuttle. Where are you at? You know, if that was a requirement of this church, I'm just saying, half of us wouldn't be here. You know? And he had to be labeled from his birth. before He never had a choice. He had to be labeled a Nazarite. Now, some of us have been labeled Pentecostals all of our life. And certain rules have been applied so that we could be set apart. And it seems like we may have something in common with those Samson. But Samson's mistake was that he was too close to the world. He didn't draw a clear enough line. If you just go to Judges 14, 1 through 3, I want you to look at this. Judges 14, 1 through 3. It says that Samson went down to to Timnath, and saw a woman in Timnath, there's your first mistake, of the daughters of the Philistines. You realize, that's, that's, you're not supposed to date people in the world. 
Don't date them and think that they're going to come in to church. It ain't. Bring them into church and wait a year. See if they're worth anything. Don't waste your time or your life, your energies or your emotions. Just saying, it's a waste. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? There's not anybody else you can date. (laughs) Is there not any other apostolic church you can go fellowship with and find a good girl or a good guy? Just saying. Is there never a woman? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. Now go to Judges 16, verses 1. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. All right, now go to the next one. 16, 4 through 6. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sarek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth. And by what means? Could I just stop for a second and say if you had an apostolic woman, she would never have done that? If you had a true godly apostolic woman in your life, she would never have listened to anybody in the world. She would be for you, not against you. So where does this great strength lie? And by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of, his, of us 1,100 pieces of silver. And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. She went up and just asked the guy. He was so love-struck. He was, he, he was, such in, that, he was in that condition, just so blinded by a woman. You know, guys get stupid. I mean, between the ages of like 12 and 25, men are morons. Is there any woman going to say, man, I look at the guys are all looking at me. Come on, I'll just admit it. Don't even go there, sis. I'm still 31, okay? All right. So... You look at Samson and you look at the repetitive nature in his life. He never found a woman in church. Samson couldn't stay close to the church. He had to mess around in the world. And he did it over and over again. And every single time he messed around in the world, it got him into trouble. The truth is still the truth. God has called us to be a separate people. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.17... Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. The music can come. I'm almost done. But this morning, God's calling some young people to be separated from the world. He's calling some young people to become dependent upon the God app. He wants you to think in your mind, there's a God for that. Every time something comes your way, there's a God for that. He wants you to be dependent upon Him, not to depend on yourself. Some of you are struggling for a job. You want to get a job. You want to work. I want you to. There's a God for that. There really is. There's a God for that. Don't work Wednesdays. Don't work Sundays. I'll preach it till the day I die. 
Church is first over everything else. Your blessing will come later. Don't sacrifice. Don't ever compromise that. But he's calling some young people this morning. You can stand with me. And he wants you to apply, he's wanting you to apply that principle to your daily life. To, to stop looking to the world or the newest development to solve your problems. He's looking for some young people that will be like Joseph and less like Samson. Yeah, Samson did some good things. But when you look at his life, at the end of it, he was blind and a slave to the Philistines, begging God for strength for one last time. Joseph lived in the Spirit. Samson was only moved on by the Spirit. God is not looking for Samson's in today's end-time revival. God is looking for Joseph's. God is looking for young people and our older saints for that spirit of Joseph to rest in their life that says, I've got a purpose. I've got a calling. And there's not going to be one distraction in my life that's going to take me away from that. There's not going to be one girl. There's not going to be one guy. My job isn't going to do it. Not, there's not going to be a sickness that's going to come my way. But I have determined in my mind, I have made up in my mind that I have got a purpose from God. And I'm going to invite some young people to the altar this morning to make a decision. Do I want to be a Joseph or a Samson? <laughs> Do I want to live my life in church? Do I want to have a daily prayer life? Or do I just want to be moved on and special circumstances or special services? Do I want to be used in my school or do I just want to be used in the pulpit? Do I just want to be used and say, well, I've done my, my, my job. I, I've been used here at church. I help with the younger kids. I, I help in Sunday school. I do whatever my youth pastor tells me to. That would be great. But there's a point where you have to be in connection with God. You've got to have it for you. So tonight, I'm at, or this morning, I'm asking young people right now, is there anybody that wants to feel that way, wants that spirit of Joseph to rest on you? I want you to come up to the front. We've been in two days, two days of revival. I know you may, not, you may be tired. I may, there, there, there may be something going on in your life. You may not feel like praying this morning, but I'm telling you, God's going to do something special this morning for young people who want this on their lives. And anybody else, I, I feel there may be somebody else in here. You may not necessarily be a young person, but you want this spirit of faithfulness that Joseph had to be applied to your life. I'm asking you right now to come up to this altar. Saints, I, I don't want you to just start talking. I, please, just, just this morning, can we, can we pray for these young people? Moms, dads, can we come down and, and lay hands on our children? Grandparents, can we find a place of intercession for our children? Just, just for five, ten minutes, can we, can we just begin to pray? And let God deal with us. In Jesus' name.